It's uh, great to be with you guys. My name is Micah, and uh, we travel full-time on the road as evangelists. My wife and I do. This is our home church. And uh, the last time I was here, I believe I was preaching in October, and all the other Sundays we've been gone out traveling. Uh, We primarily preach to teenagers across America. It's been incredible. And uh, a fun report to give you to come back to the church On the last two months, we've seen about 2,000 teenagers come to know Jesus uh, for the first time, which is so cool, Uh, so awesome, and uh, man, it's good to be home. We're home for the next couple weeks to get some downtime. The last two weeks have been crazy, and so we're so excited to be back. A Merry Christmas to you guys. Um, If this is your first time ever in church or your first time visiting Um, I just want to say a great big welcome. I am biased towards the local church. Uh, My life was flipped upside down. Uh, Being a young boy who came from a lot of brokenness, uh, it was the local church that literally gave me life, that gave me hope, uh, did so much for me in my life. And uh, man, uh, if you aren't a part of a local church, why not here? Why not now? Uh, We want to say a great big thank you for you being here. Uh, My name is Micah, and uh, I travel around the United States of America preaching the gospel primarily to teenagers. Uh, We are starting year seven of our travel ministry. We've based out of here at Zoe Church. My wife, Steph, is down front, and this is the ministry we get to lead. Really cool. I haven't seen you guys since October, and since the last time I saw you, in the last two months, we've seen nearly 2,000 teenagers give their life to Jesus. Uh, and our travels around the U.S., which is so cool. Um, That's what it's about, and uh, it's been a crazy, crazy fall, and we are just excited to be home for a little bit. In the midst of all the travel, we started a clothing line uh, called Everyone Everywhere. Who does God love? He loves everyone. Where was his love meant to go? Literally everywhere. The problem right now is not everyone everywhere knows that God loves them. So when you buy Everyone Everywhere merch... Uh, You're literally helping us reach everyone everywhere with the gospel because we give our profits away to missionaries like the Sunsets groups who still are waiting to know that God loves them. In just about a month's time, uh, we've seen nearly $26,000, $27,000 that we've been able to give away to fund mission efforts so everyone everywhere might know the love of Jesus. We can give it up for that. That's really cool. Um, So that is awesome. We have very limited stuff that we brought with us today, and we're also doing a Christmas special on our hats. Um, Don't be mad at me if you paid full price for a hat, Aaron Myers, okay? Uh, But we are giving a special. We have a table over there, and today's profits we're going to give to our kingdom builders uh, to keep investing in adventure, uh, expeditions, and Project 42. If you're ready for God's word today, say, let's go. We are in our Christmas series today, and if you're new here, um, in just a little bit, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word, but last week, Pastor Greg kicked us off. If you missed it, I'd encourage you to go back and see it, just a powerful message about how Jesus came for the messy. Uh, With that said, would everyone stand with me for the reading of God's Word today? We're opening our Bibles to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. I know it's starting on verse 28 on the screen, but I'm going to read two verses before that, and then a couple verses after that. In verse 26, it says this. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, 
God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. This is a part that's not on the screen, but it says in verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. Thank you for the name of Jesus, the name that saves people, the name that heals people, the name that chooses people, the name that finds really hurting, broken people. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Help us to see you in a greater way to know how high, how deep, and how wide the love of Jesus is. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Question for you guys. Have any of you guys ever heard a statement or a phrase, and then when you heard it, it just kind of shook you a little bit? Anybody ever... Maybe it might be news you received or someone said something, but just kind of like caught you off guard for a second. Just kind of shook you and it just made you freeze a little bit. Well, there was a scenario with my little boy, Malachi, okay? He's five. If you have kids who are around that age, you know at any moment they could say a statement that just literally like, where'd you get that from? Like, what's that about? So uh, we're on a plane, we travel a lot, and my son has headphones on in the plane. One of the things my kids look forward to in travel is they get an iPad when they get on the plane to play games, okay? We don't give them an iPad at home, we don't. If you do with your kids, totally cool, but we just don't. So Malachi especially looks forward to plane rides, okay? Now here's a question for you. Have you ever talked to someone who has headphones in, let's say they're at the gym. Have you ever talked with someone, they got headphones on and music is playing, right? And you try to talk to them, but they don't recognize the level and the sound of their voice. So when they talk to you, they're like, hey, Jared, good to see ya. And, you're, and you look at them and your natural response is like, shh. Like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean, shh? I don't know if anybody ever been around someone like that. They got headphones in and their volume just immediately is escalated because they don't compensate for the volume. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? Thank you. What I like to do, I'm at the gym four times a week and I put my headphones in. Whenever I see a friend, I just say, hey, I got my headphones in. I have no idea what you're saying. So just so you know, we're all clear. So my buddy's got his headphones in. My little boy's playing on the iPad and the plane is packed full of people, okay? We're in the middle of the plane. And my son out loud, not recognizing the tone of his voice with his headphones on, my son goes, dad, dad, I gotta go potty. Real loud. The whole plane knows a little boy needs to go potty. Here's the problem. We are just now being pushed off from our gate, okay? Like the little tug is pushing our plane back and my son yells to the whole plane, meant to be for me, Dad, I gotta go potty! So I just open one flap 
of his ear so you can, you know, keep this one. I open one flat. I go, buddy, can you just wait? Just wait, wait till we're in the air, bud. Can you wait? Yeah, dad, yeah. I put the headphone back. Five minutes go by. Dad, I need to go potty. <laughs> we're, we're, we're still on the tarmac at this point, okay? So I open the flap one more time because I know in about well, 10 minutes we're going to be in the air. And once we're in the air, I'm going to unbuckle that kid. We're going to the bathroom. I'm going to take care of this for my boy. And so I go, son, just 10 more minutes. Just hold it. You got it, buddy. You can do it. Come on, bud. I go, okay, dad. So puts the, headphone, <laughs> puts the headphones back in. My son real louds for all to hear because that's the way Christmas cheer is spread. My son, yell, my son yells and goes, Dad, I peed my pants. <laughs> Dad, I peed my pants. Dad, it's wet. Everybody in the plane heard the dialogue between me and my five-year-old boy just to hold it. And now the whole plane can smell urine. And knows that a little boy just wet his pants. So I know it's against FAA reels. I know I'm going to get yelled by the flight attendant. But I open up that, that, that luggage space. I grab fresh clothes. I rip his seatbelt off. I rip mine off. I open the car, like the, the luggage thing. I'm grabbing underwear, pants for him. I, I like sprint down the aisle. And I can hear every parent just being like, oh my word. <laughs> you can smell it on the plane. It's awful. <laughs> Have you ever like heard a statement and then when you hear it, it just kind of makes you like tense up or feel a little like stressed or like you immediately feel like, dear Lord, like what is going to happen? Because I think if we're really honest in the room, we all have had statements said to us or things we heard that literally just made us shook and or begin to wonder like what in the world is gonna happen next. There are three distinct statements that I can never delete from my mind that still stick with me today. And one of them is I'll never forget where I was sitting in the living room and my dad looked at my three younger sisters and me and my dad said a statement that immediately brought fear, worry. And he said, kids, just so you know, I'm leaving your mom for another woman. I'm divorcing your mom after 17 years of marriage. And I will never step foot inside a church ever again. And hearing that, I'm the oldest in my family, and I immediately watched my three younger sisters break down and cry. And now I become the man of the house at a young age. And isn't it true that sometimes there's things we hear or statements said that it literally makes us paralyzed and begin to wonder what in the world is next? Within one year of that, another statement was said my mom was in the room, and the doctor looks at my family and says, I am so sorry to tell you this, but your eight-year-old sister is diagnosed with stage four cancer, and she only has a 20% chance left to live. And hearing that statement as a young teenage kid 
My dad just walked out of my family. It literally left me in a state of what's next? What's going to happen? And then some years fast forward, the third statement that I will never forget is the doctor looks at me and he goes, are you the oldest in your family? I said, yeah, I'm the oldest. He said, I am so sorry to inform you, but your dad has lost all brain activity and there is nothing else we can do to save your dad's life. We're going to clear the room so you and your sisters can say goodbye to your dad. Three statements that I will never forget that showed up in my life that literally led me down a path of uncertainty and full of unknowns. Have you ever received a statement like that? Have you ever encountered that? Because in life, there are statements that are said that can literally leave us shook and wondering what's next. And know what's crazy is in the Christmas season, it can accelerate those feelings. It can be difficult to navigate. It can be really hard when society is like making it about fun and cheer and baking and family. But amidst all of that, it's possible to still walk in uncertainty and unknown. And today, I have really good news for everyone who decided to come to church today. Because there was a statement shared to a virgin girl named Mary, a teenage girl who was engaged to her fiance, Joseph. And that statement radically, in a moment, flipped her world upside down. And I would argue for the next 30 years and nine months, she would have to walk through ridicule, shame, being misunderstood. And in that time, her own fiance, finding out she's pregnant, realizing he didn't sleep with her. And now he's supposed to believe his fiance that she didn't sleep with another guy, but God, impregnated her, and now has the savior of the world in her. Talk about a statement that would flip Mary's life upside down and have to walk through the scorn, the humiliation, and shame that it was associated with it. But here's what's really cool, is there are promises and principles that happened in Mary's life that also happen and apply to you and I's life. And if we understand these, it will help us navigate life and the statements that so often show up on our doorstep unannounced. Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. A truth and a promise. God chose me. God chose me. Look what it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 28. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. You notice it wasn't Mary crying out to God. It wasn't Mary attempting to do everything with her own heart and life to get God's ear. No, God showed up and chose Mary. 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words, wondered what kind of greeting this might bring. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And some of us might be here today and be like, yeah, but that's Mary. That's not me. No, no, no. That, that, like, but Mary, she was the one who was highly favored. That's not me. No. God didn't just choose Mary, but God also chose you. And the same favor Mary encountered that she didn't deserve is the same favor that God freely extends to your life. That is a promise for every person in the room. God chose me. And you want to know who would have to hold on to that more than anyone else? Mary. Because when Joseph looked at her and was contemplating on leaving her, she would have to tell herself over and over and over and over again, God chose this. God chose me. I know God chose me. When people would want to scorn and humiliate, she would have to say over and over, God chose me. God chose me. That's the same solution for you and I. God chose me. You know what I love about Scripture is how it reinforces this idea. Look at John 15, 16 on the screen. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? You have been highly favored and you have been chosen before you ever chose Jesus. And the life God has for you is fruit that will last. It will never fade. It will never pass away. It lasts way beyond you because it is eternal. God chose me. And then when I was preparing for this message, I really struggled with Ephesians 1 because I wanted to cherry pick. But this is too rich too dynamic to only cherry pick. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 3. It's a little long, so bear with me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That is a word for us today. Every spiritual blessing we would ever need has already been accomplished. Here it is, verse 4. For he chose us. Come on. He chose us us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. This is powerful. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. That is an amazing gift. That is powerful. Everything we need through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, here we go again, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were 
the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked with him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise and glory of Jesus. We can clap for that right there. That is good news for all of us in the room. God chose me. What about 1 John chapter 4? It says this in verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is it. This is it. This is the truth for every person that walked in the room today. God doesn't choose perfect people. God loves to choose sinful people because he came to seek and save the lost and he came to seek and save those who are far from Jesus. God chose me. Mary would walk through a life of being misunderstood. Have you ever been misunderstood before? Have you ever walked through a season when you're trying to follow Jesus and it requires being misunderstood? Know who else was misunderstood? Noah. When he was asked to build an ark and everyone's like, you're a fool. Know who else was misunderstood? David. Wasn't even there for his anointing. Overlooked, young. Oh, really? You're supposed to defeat Goliath? Really? Okay, funny, cool. You know what the Bible is full of? A bunch of overlooked people that were chosen who all walked through misunderstanding. Sometimes when you follow Jesus, it will lead you into a life of being misunderstood. And you want to know what anchors you and keeps you going through the misunderstanding? God chose me. God's my defender. God's my advocate. God's the one who sustains me. God's the one who loved me first. God's the one who still chooses me, even when I'm faithless. God's the one who's still faithful, even when I'm not. God chose me. God chose me. 1 John 4, verse 10. Can you put it back up? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I have really good news for every person in the room. Did you blow it this last week? Did you do something really evil in God's sight? Did you blow it a couple months ago? Did you royally screw up recently? God still chooses you. Do you know what it means to be far and separated in your sin? Because every person in the room knows what that means too. Because while we were enemies of Christ and while we were sinners, God loved and chose you. Before you ever chose God, God loved you. And here's why that's good news. is because at the cross where Jesus died, it is a level playing ground. For all of humanity, it's a level playing ground for all 
who might experience the salvation and the love the Bible talks about, how God chose you. Could everyone bow their head, close their eyes for a second? The greatest decision you'll ever make in your life won't be which Roth mutual fund to invest in. The greatest decision you'll ever make in your life is surrendering to the one who first loved and chose you. If you're in a really dark place, I want to say welcome. Jesus is here. If you royally screwed up this last week, welcome to the club. Jesus is here. He chose you. I want to give a chance. If there's anyone in the room who's saying, hey, I'm not right with Jesus, I'm far from Christ, but I want God's love in my life. Would you just put up a hand wherever you are? No one looking around saying, hey, I need God's love in my life. Just put up a hand wherever you are so I can see it. So cool. Awesome. So cool. The greatest decision you'll ever make in life is surrendering to the love of Jesus. Church, can we pray this together, all of us? Just say, Jesus, I was lost, but I'm not anymore. Your love found me. Would you forgive me of my sins? Help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give it up for the people who say, hey, surrender my life to Jesus? You know what? A lot of us are like, yeah, I like that. God chose me. I can get behind that. That's a good word. Man, I'm feeling good. The sermon ain't over. Because here's point number two. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. But you said God chose me. What do you mean? No, it's really not about me. You know where we see this in the text? Mary says this. You can put up the next verse on the screen. God chooses Mary for a special task. Her response is beautiful. In verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. You know what we all are? Servants. Servants of the Most High King. Mary understood something. Lord, I am your servant. Look at the next verse in Acts 4, verse 29. The disciples are accused for preaching. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Go to Romans 1 when Paul starts the letter. Romans 1, the next verse. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel. His introduction, Paul, a servant. What about 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5? What after all is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants. The church of Corinth was making a really big deal about ordinary people. They're making a big deal. Who were you baptized by? Who ministered in your life? And Paul's saying, stop. You're missing the point. It's not about me. We're only servants. That is it. What about 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1? This then is how you ought to regard us. 
as servants of Christ, as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. In other words, Paul's saying, it's not about me. We aren't the special ones. We are merely servants. God chose us. He for sure chose me. But I'm called to be a servant. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. What about Galatians 1.10? Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Ephesians 3.7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of power. That's my sermon today. God chose me by his grace, but now my response, I'm just a servant of Jesus. What about Philippians 1.1? Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. What about Titus 1.1? Paul, a servant of God. What about James 1.1? James, a servant of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the brother of Jesus, calling a servant of God. Hey, you know it's real. When family members are saying, I am the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus, Paul, a servant of God. Second Peter 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Jude 1, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. You want to know why they can say that so boldly and address the church in that way? You want to know why? Because they had a really great model and a really great example who demonstrated himself to be great, not in the means of power and violence and influence, by being great through the means of a servant. Philippians 2.7 says, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. You want to know why we have a lot of pain in the world today? You want to know why statements show up in our life that sometimes sting forever? Because at some point along the way, it becomes about me. And when it becomes about me, I am now set up for a hard downfall. Something I'm learning right now in my life. I'm taking a master's program at North Central University. I'm doing a theology degree. And right now I'm in what's called the former prophets. Joshua, Judges, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings. And when I grew up in Sunday school, know the kind of lessons I heard? Be like David. Have a faith like David. Be like him. Don't you see what he did? He defeated Goliath. Be like Solomon. Ask for wisdom. And know what I'm learning now in the former prophets? No! Don't be like him. Don't be like David. Don't be like Solomon. Don't be like these guys. I held on to Bible characters as if they were the hero of the story. Know what Bible characters are? They're you and I. A bunch of people who have fractures, who sometimes operate from a wound, who sometimes sin, who sometimes fall. You and I aren't the special ones. Jesus is. It's not about me. It's not. And the moment it becomes about me, there is a downfall that is quickly about to happen. David started off beautifully, 
a humble, a humility, a fear of God. But then when David rose to fame and power and had all the influence, he messed up by killing a man, sleeping with his wife. And then it doesn't end there. David royally screws up even after he repented because his kids, his own kids operate in sexual dysfunction, raping a half-sister, a brother killing another brother, David's kids. And David is nowhere to be found to do what the king was supposed to do and bring judgment. In other words, David limped himself into heaven. It's not about David. It's not. Solomon started off beautiful. God, I want to have a fear of you. God, I'll give you one thing. Give me wisdom, God. Beautiful start. And then he blows it with sexual immorality and the sexual urge and this political strategy of marrying different wives of different nations and now worshiping false gods. And the trajectory all started with Israel saying, we want a king like other nations have. What is that preference? It starts in all about me. And it led to the downfall of Israel. Know what God's gonna say? He's not gonna say, well done, thy good and faithful athlete. Well done, thy good and faithful student. He's not gonna say, well done, thy good and faithful influencer. Well done, thy good and faithful businessman. God is gonna say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. It's not about me. This is a good word, because here's why. You can count on this. God chose me, it's not about me, and our big so what is this today? It's all about Him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. Look at the covenants God made in the Old Testament. God made a covenant with Abraham. Abram fell in a deep sleep. Guess who put him to sleep? God did. In a covenant, two people were supposed to walk through the animals that were sacrificed. Abram never walked through. God walked through for Abram and himself. Who is it about? God. Look at the covenant with David. David, your family line, your lineage will last forever. David royally screwed up and all the kings after him. Who was it about? It wasn't about the people. It was all about God being faithful in the midst of corruption, sinful people. Church, this is what the Christmas story is all about. The Christmas story is all about Jesus coming to earth because humanity couldn't do it. Kings couldn't do it. Prophets couldn't do it. No great spiritual Bible character can do it. It would take the atoning work of Jesus that would finish it all for all of humanity to be able to say, God chose me, but it's not about me. It's all about him. It's why we come to church during Christmas season and we sing a song that goes, Oh, come let us adore. It puts our eyes back on who it's supposed to be about the whole time. Did you receive a statement recently that shook your life and filled you with fear? God chose you. He's going to see you through He's faithful. Even though you didn't do it, you didn't choose this for yourself, he will see you through. Church, can we stand and make it about him this morning? It's all about him.